So this morning we're starting a new series, and the, the, the title of our series is Secrets. And the subtitle this morning is God Your Heart. Let's turn to our text scripture that we'll be looking at during this series, and it's from Psalm 25, verses 14. In the New King James, it says this the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Well, think about that. The Lord wants to show us the secrets of his covenant. Do you know that God has secrets? Did you think about that? God has secrets that he only shares with certain people. And we're going to dig into and we're going to find out what it means to be that people that God shares His secrets with. Because how many you know when you get a hold of God's secrets, they will revolutionize the way we live? Uh, I'm reminded of a story I was listening to a preacher and it just confirmed that this was the way to go in our church right now. And, and to minister along these lines, his name is Pastor Tony Evans and you can catch him on YouTube. He's an incredible preacher. And he was just talking about American football. And he was saying in American football, they have two books. The first book is called The Game Book. Right? And the game book is available to everybody. Whether you play the game, whether you don't play the game. But if you're an American football team, or if you're interested, you need to read the game book because it will tell you everything about the game. It'll tell you where it's played, it'll tell you how it's played, it'll give you the rules and the outline, and it'll give you the general lay of the land when it comes to American football. But the second book that they have is called the playbook. Alright, now listen carefully. The playbook is not available to everybody. As a matter of fact, the playbook is their greatest secret. Because it is only held by the management team of that American football team. And I want you to know they don't share it with anybody except the players that are going on the field in that game at that moment. And even some of the players don't get to see all the plays in the playbook because it depends on the position you have, whether you're involved in that playbook. And so, I want you to remember that thought when it comes to what we're talking about in this moment. And I want you to know that God has a game book, it's His Bible, but I want you to know inside the scriptures of the game book is God's playbook. And I want you to know that playbook is reserved for those who are in the game. And there are secrets there that can revolutionize and unlock the potential and the provision and the power and the incredible things that God wants to do in every life. Now, listen carefully. It's not because God is holding out on other people, but it's because He cannot release His secrets to anybody because those same secrets can destroy you if you are not ready to apply them, and you don't know how they work. So what he shows us during this series, I'm trusting God with all my heart as your pastor, the things he's going to show to you 
will be different from the things He shows to me because your life is unique. Unique. Your potential is unique. God's plan for your life is unique. Your position is unique. But I want you to know what He shows us is going to be awesome. It's going to be helpful and it's going to be uplifting. And if you will open your heart, God will speak to you. Can you say amen? If you hear just quietly on your breath, say, I'm expectant. Now let me read you this verse out of the Passion Translation. Psalm 25 verse 14. It says, there is a private place reserved for the lovers of God. Where they sit near Him and they receive the revelation secrets of His promises. God has revelation secrets that are contained in His promises that are for you and I who are called by His name. Write this down. Every secret is found in Jesus through the Word of God. In Hebrews 8 verse 6, powerful verse, it says, But now He, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch He is also the mediator of a better covenant which is established on better promises. If the glory of the old covenant was great, how much more is the glory of the new covenant? And notice something powerful. Jesus is the mediator. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the head of the church. He carries the ideas and the strategies. And I want you to know there is no problem. There is no challenge. There is no circumstance. There is no problem that He does not know the answer. And I've discovered there were years in my life when I looked back that I wondered, where is God? And I want you to know, it wasn't because God wasn't there, it was because I was reading the game book, but I wasn't tapping into His playbook, hallelujah. And if you tap into the playbook, I want you to know, it might take a bit of time, but you'll start stepping in to the fullness of your potential. So it's so important, just as we lay a little bit of a foundation to work from, that we capture the heart of the new covenant. Remember tonight's subtitle is God your heart. And here in Psalm 25, the preceding verses to the verse we've looked at as our text in verse 4 and 5, we start to capture the heart of the new covenant. David says this because he wrote the psalm. And it was a psalm of, of, of petition and a psalm of passion before God. And in verse 4 and 5 he says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in the truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Can you see his passion? Can you see his heart? Here at the beginning, the psalmist is expressing his passion and his desire to, to hear and to understand God, to worship him so that he can come to understand the ways of God. It's incredible to think that David, an Old Testament believer, literally lived as a New Testament believer in the Old Covenant. And you know why? Because he had a heart for God. He had a heart for God. And that is the heart of the New Testament. 
It's not that we're perfect. It's not that we always get it right. It's not that we're these supernatural people that never make mistakes. It's that our heart longs for His presence. Our heart longs to know Him better. And so it's a great secret to come to God just as you are. Be real and be honest. It goes on in verse 12, and we start to pick up the, the context of, of what we're looking at uh, tonight and in this series. In verse 12, he says, Who is the man that fears the Lord? Underline that. He shall, him shall he teach in the way he chooses. Him, listen carefully, him, God, shall he teach in the way he, God, chooses. Not he will teach you in the way you choose. Listen, he will teach you in the way he's chosen for you. Verse 13. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. Listen, listen. He himself will dwell in prosperity. Who's that? The person who God shows the way he's chosen for him. And his descendants will inherit the earth. Verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Verse 15, my eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Here again we see that David declares that his expectation is not of himself, but it's of God. His trust is in God to pull him out and pull him through the struggles and the circumstances of life. So let's dig into how and where these secrets that God has are going to be shown to us. Let's start in Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Can we turn there together? Proverbs 20 and verse 27. I was just saying this, I'm so sorry, I, I got home last week and I'm like, where were the screens? <laughs> and I forgot, you know, Thursday's not Sunday and Sunday's not Thursday, so now I've got to, I've got to get my outline in on a Wednesday night or Thursday morning so that Thursday can be like a Sunday for us. I don't know if Peter's going to cut that out of it because someone's going to get really confused. But next week we'll be ready, okay? We'll be back to a normal Sunday on a Thursday. And then, I don't know, do I play golf on a Friday? I'll probably have to just play twice a week. <laughs> Proverbs 20 verse 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Let's, let's meditate a little. The spirit of man is the lamp. The one translation says, is the candle, the thing that's burning, of the Lord, searching the inner depths of the heart. So the heart is used broadly in this context to highlight the core of a person, the, the real person. It's where the thoughts, the feelings, the desires, and the choices of life begin. Now, we need to understand this when we're, when we're in this teaching. If you go study the Old and the New Testament, you'll see the scriptures that speak about the heart, that if you look at the Hebrew, it would speak about the spirit of man, and there's scriptures that have the heart, the Hebrew word speaks about the soul of man, which is the mind, will, and emotions, because in reality, they, they kind of mesh into each other, but they're distinct. 
So when we speak about the heart, we're generally speaking about the spirit, but including the mind and the will and emotions. Because how many know those have to unite in unity for the power of God to be released through our lives on a daily basis? In Luke four, in, sorry, in Luke six verse forty-five, it says, "A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good." And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're going to look at some things that I think are really going to challenge us, but encourage us, and show us, if we start applying some of these principles, and see now some of these work, and we start applying them, literally our lives are going to be renewed, rebuilt, and restored. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The one translation says brand new. So we've got to clarify this tonight. When you got saved, your spirit got saved. Your heart, the real you got saved. But how many of you know your soul is in the process of being saved? Easy example, the day you got saved, you woke up the next morning, hung over, you had some, some of the same feelings and thoughts that you had before you got saved. Why? Because your mind never got saved, your emotions never got saved. They've got to be saved by renewing your mind to the Word. So your soul is being or in the process of being saved. And how many know your body is not saved? Your body will be saved at the resurrection of the church when Jesus comes back for us. And you say, well, how do you explain that? Well, if you had a big nose before you got saved. Yep. If you had a mean bald before you got saved, no guarantee it'll stay after you got saved. Because that depends on what you eat. But how do you know? Your body never got saved. And your flesh, this is the paradox of the born again experience. Your flesh always wants to do the wrong thing. So you've got to bring it into subjection. Paul said this, I beat my body black and blue. Or I got somebody else's. I beat my body black and blue. In other words, I bring it into subjection. Why? Because it always wants to step and I know these are things we do know if we've been serving God, but it's things we need to be reminded of in context of what we're going to be speaking about. I want to encourage us today, as we go into this series, to start to develop an expectation that God is going to reveal some secrets to you in this time that are going to be to unlock your potential for the way forward. Proverbs 4 verse 23, let's dig into into the heart of the message uh, this morning. Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Church, the reality is this. As much as we like to think that everything happens to us is caused by God, it's not. And sometimes we even like to say, well, if it's not from God, it must be from the devil. Well, it might originate there, but it comes out of your heart and what you're producing and what you're developing and what
heart. You're nurturing in your own heart. Listen carefully. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. We're going to look at that, that sentence next week, the issues of life. But it actually speaks about the fountain or the wellsprings of your life. The one translation says that the issues of life speak about the boundaries we create for ourselves. Come out of our own heart. We read it earlier in 6.45. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And the evil man out of the treasure of his evil brings out evil things. So what are you treasuring in your heart is going to create the issues or the boundaries of your life. Now remember, have you ever read the story, and I'm sure if you haven't, you know about it, the goose that laid the golden eggs. Remember that story? I mean, it's a lovely story. I've been looking for that goose. Because I want to tie that goose loose and take it home. But listen carefully. In the story of the goose that laid the golden egg, how many know the, 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 the theme or the message of that is you never kill the golden goose, which is what they actually did. But here's the thing. In spiritual life, the golden goose that lays the golden eggs is your heart. It's your spirit. And if you'll guard your spirit with diligence, if you'll sow the right seed into your heart, it will produce the right things. Can you say amen? And it's therefore, that's the place where God deposits His secrets. Now, remember tonight, without Christ, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 to 10 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And so therefore we need to recognize, you know, Maggie and I were talking with someone this week and we, we were talking about a, a GBV, you know, the gender-based violence that is rife in our nation. And you know, when you see and think about what some men do to women and to children, you've got to think to yourself, can anyone who's human do that? Here's the answer. The heart is desperately wicked. And so we need to realize the solution of our country and the solution of our world is not in politics, it's not in some elaborate plan, it's in the salvation of mankind through the shed blood of Jesus Church, don't clap. Let's get out there and win the loss. Let's get out there and do something. Can you say amen? So, what we've got to understand then is this. According to the fruit of his doings, it says in, in, in verse 10, so we've got to understand and we've got to realize that when it comes to our hearts, all of us have to process, we have to get closure, and we have to overcome areas in our lives and in our souls that may be troubling us, may be wounding us, and may be holding us back. 
Paul says to the church in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, he says, Therefore, having these promises, the secrets of God, the promises of God, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Art. Isn't that interesting? Let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And I don't think he's speaking about your spirit that's born again. He's talking about your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, which how many of you know might still carry things from your past, even from your present, that are there, that are filthy because they contaminate and they damage who you really are. And all of us can grow in this area. And, and so it says, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And that speaks about the journey we want. We're in this journey with God. And realize this, you don't have to cleanse yourself. It says, because of the promises of God. It's the promises of God that you apply to your life that release God's cleansing power. The washing of the water of the Word will clean us and will equip us to move forward. But let's write this down and remember this. The heart is the center. It's the control center. It's the hub where all the secrets of God's Word will be stored, accessed, and processed. It's like a supernatural iCloud. Your spirit, your heart is like a supernatural iCloud. Hey, you know, all my photos today, all 5,960 of them that I've got on my iPhone, they're not stored in the cloud because I haven't backed my phone up for three weeks. So I mean, like, if my phone goes now, I've got a problem when I want to access those photographs. Why? Because they're on my phone, but they're not in the cloud. So what's in your heart today is very, very important. Let's read on in Proverbs 4. Are you glad you came to church? Are you glad you're watching this morning? Proverbs 4 verse 20. And let's, let's read it in context now from verse 20. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That word keep is the word God. We'll have a look at it now. For they are life to those who find them, and they are health to their flesh. Verse 23. Keep your heart with diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In the Amplified, it says this. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above everything, guard it, for out of it flow the springs of life. So what I want to do for this week and probably next week is I want to just take the word God, and I've made it a cross stick that will just help us to remember these, and we look at each letter because it, it gives us a clue, or it gives us a principle that will help us to guard our hearts. How do I guard my heart? How can I guard my heart like, like Proverbs is saying here? How can I guard my heart so that out of it will come the right things? Out of it will flow the things and the secrets that God has given me that unlock my potential in life. Now, the word keep here in Proverbs 4 is the Hebrew word natsah. And the root words means this. In the good sense, it means to God. That's why the, the New King James and other translations just use the word God and not the word keep. But this is what it means. It means to protect, to maintain, and to obey. So, so the word God or the word keep means to protect, 
maintain and obey. In a bad sense or in a negative sense, this word means to conceal or hide something. So this is the reality. In your heart, you can guard, maintain and obey the right things or you can hide and conceal the wrong things. And determined, determined by what you do or what you do will determine what you produce out of the springs of your life. So you don't just guard your heart by kicking out bad things. As much as you keep your heart like a gardener does, by maintaining the good things therein, maintaining them like a gardener who would do weeding and, and planting fresh seeds and, and, and waiting for the new crop. How you know spring is coming, we started seeing a bit of rain and how you see the little green shoots of grass and things started to come up. And Man and I were standing just the, the day before yesterday, we've got this beautiful patch, it's called My Patch. On the top of our garage is beautiful grass and it's the only piece I get to mow. It takes me about, I love it, it takes me about all of six minutes to mow it and weed it. And I mean, it just makes me feel so good that I'm actually being like Adam and, and in the garden, you know. <laughs> anyway, through winter it's got really, really hard and so many said, wow, can you see the little green shoots of grass come out? We actually need to take a fork and we need to dig and we need to turn the soil, we need to loosen it up so that the roots can take and so that this grass can look beautiful again. What were we doing? We were maintaining, we were weeding. And you know, our hearts sometimes need a good old weeding. <laughs> we need to throw some fresh fertilizer there and stimulate some of those seeds. Isn't it incredible? There can be seeds lying there from 20 years ago that if you'll just germinate, then suddenly you could be growing this incredible crop that you never even knew had been hiding in your heart. Yeah. All these years, because God sowed it there through the ministry of the Word of God. And so we maintain it so that we can produce the new crop. So let's, let's tonight, I don't want to get much further because we've done the introduction, but let's start with the word G. We're talking about how do I guard my heart? Now, how can I practically do this on a day-to-day -day level? So the G tonight stands for this. Grow in grace. The first key to guarding my heart is I must grow in grace. Grace is the catch word of the New Testament. And we're going to see why, hopefully, by revelation and through the Word of God tonight. Grace doesn't just give you something, it makes you something. You see, it makes you look like and act like Jesus. That's what the grace of God will do for you. It'll make you look like and act like Jesus, and that's why God's favor comes upon you. It's not because of you, it's in spite of you. That's why when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, and I remember the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to the king. The donkey turned to his mates and he said, check, they're all cheering for me. Yeah, because Jesus was on him. And therefore the grace of God and the favor was on him. He actually wasn't wrong. Well, he was, but you get what I'm saying. Hebrews 13 verse 9. Listen to this verse. Do not be carried about by various and strange doctrines, for it is good 
Let the heart be established by Christ. Listen to the terminology. It needs to be established by grace. In other words, the roots of God's love, which is the wellspring of grace, need to go deep into us and they need to be established in us. Why was he saying that? Because if they're not, he says this, you're going to be carried about by every different doctrine, every different wind, every different fair. You'll be pulled this way, then you'll be pulled that way, then you'll be pulled this way, then you'll be pulled that way. Why? Because you need to be established. When you establish in Christ, you know the enemy can come with this thought, and this person can come with that line, and that person can come with that. But you know what? You stay. Because you establish. Your heart needs to be established in Christ. So important. By grace. Not with the foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. God doesn't want you now to be pulled from pillar. Have you ever felt like you've been pulled from pillar to post? By all the wrong belief system, by various doctrines, no. Why? God wants your heart to be settled. That grace is God's way of empowering us to be like Jesus, to live like Jesus. You see, and when we're not established by grace, it affects our heart and it can even frustrate, limit, and reduce our lives from producing at their maximum capacity. Now, abiding in the Word increases our depth and our capacity. And it makes room for Christ's love. And when you make room for Christ's love, grace will flourish. Listen, we, we, we don't have to speak so much about, oh, we've got to love God more, oh, we've got to love God more. No, no. Receive more God's love, and it's easy to love God. Receive more of God's love, and it's easy to love people. Because when God's love fills you, it empowers grace, and it will begin to flourish in your life. When God's love and His grace flourishes, it sets a spiritual, strong, good, healthy root system. And that root system will begin to create the fruit in our lives that we want. So many of us, or some of us, and I know I've done this in my life in the past as well, we spend our whole life fighting the wrong fruits. I'm going to chop this off. I don't like that fruit. I'm going to chop it off. Oh, I'm going to chop this fruit. Chop it off. And we chop off the fruit, and we go away and we think, oh, thank goodness, I'm feeling better. And you know, a week later, it goes back in. And we like, oh, we get frustrated. Why? Because we're not getting to that get to the root and be established in grace. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2 says this, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can you see Paul's attitude? I determined not to know anything else but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. God's Word will change our lives forever if we'll just allow it to fill us up and start to take over every area now let's define grace a little bit deeper. Grace is God's divine influence on our heart. And it gives us the ability, favor, and strength to do what we otherwise could never do in our own ability. 
Grace can encompass and empower. It will renew, it will refresh, and it will restore every area of your life whenever you allow it. Church, listen. Grace will make you a better wife. Amen. I'm glad you didn't say that, man. Well, you should have, because I'm a better husband. Grace will make you a better business person. Grace will empower you to do what you could not do. If we just allow grace to be established in our lives. We guard our hearts when we establish in grace. And what happens when we establish in grace is faith gets wings to fly. And what is faith? Faith is our belief system. You see, if you try to operate faith before you establish in grace, faith becomes a work. And even if it produces some things, because how I many know God is just a good God, what happens is you start to think that you're something because your faith is working. But when you're established in grace and your faith grows and it starts to work, you always give the glory back to Jesus. You always give the honor back to God. You always deflect the praise back to Him because you know it's not because of you, it's because of Him. And so our faith, listen, when I say our faith grows, I'm not, we get the wrong picture. My faith doesn't grow and get bigger. My faith grows and becomes more consistent. Strong faith isn't big faith, it's consistent faith. When, when, when Jesus said to Peter, why did you doubt? Why was your faith little? He didn't mean it was small, because he said you could have faith as a mustard seed and you could move a mountain. So he wasn't talking about the size, he was talking about the quality. And when our faith becomes consistent, guess what? We'll consistently produce good results. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And I know this, I switched my time on later. I've probably pretty much done with my time. So let's just dig into this verse and we'll wrap it up. Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 9. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. What did grace do? Grace saved you, and it lifted you up, and it seated you in heavenly places in Christ. Man, you need to remind yourself, you need to remind your family, you need to remind your enemies, you need to remind your circumstances every day. You are no longer part of this earth. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ. You have access to the throne room of God. Hallelujah. And He raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, Please underline this in your Bible. Go do it when you get up. In the ages to come, I'd show the exceeding riches of His grace. There's a secret for someone right there. It's not just great. It's the exceeding riches of His grace. His grace is rich, exceedingly so. Have you ever seen one, someone who's exceedingly rich? Or not? Just not if you have. Okay, 
Elon Musk, exceedingly rich. He can't spend all his money if we try. Okay, that's how rich God's grace is multiplied by another million. His exceedingly rich grace in kindness, in his kindness towards us in Christ. By grace you have been saved, listen, through faith, that not of himself it is the gift of God. Notice, it's by grace through faith that we receive, not of works, lest anyone should go. So here's how you know when your grace tank is full and when your grace tank's measure is in the right place. When things become a labor, or when you start to get frustrated, just take a step back and realize you are now trying to do it in your own flesh or your own strength and you need to say, Lord, I need some of that abundant rich grace in my life right now. Because it's grace that empowers you to do and to live beyond what you expect. And it will strengthen you. So I've learned this. The minute I stop getting frustrated, I'm not receiving grace. The minute something becomes later, I'm not receiving grace. Now, let me just help understand. There are times when you've got to press through because of commitment. I'm not talking about that. And then you've got to also realize that sometimes God's grace moves off something in your life because it's time to let it go because God wants to move you into something better. And the grace hasn't stopped because God doesn't love you anymore. He's telling you, person, it's time to move to a new place. And when you get to that new place, God's grace will be there and it will increase. And suddenly you'll be able to do what you call Every head now, every eye now closed. I hope you got some help tonight. I hope you had a good time. God's grace and presence is so evident right now. Every head now, every now closed. Father, I thank you. I pray for every person online right now. Whatever they trust in you for today, let grace abound. Whatever they're struggling with right now, let grace abound. Jesus. You're the King of Kings, you're the Lord of Lords. You're our Savior and our King, and we worship you. I pray for every person and I declare blessing over their life. I declare healing over their life. I declare success over their life in the name of Jesus. Break every strength, heal every disease in Jesus. You're listening to this and you've never made Jesus the Lord of the world, it would be such an honor to lead you in the prayer of salvation. If that's you, would you simply pray this prayer? Passion from Romans 10, verse 8 to 10. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe in Jesus today and I invite him into my heart and I receive his forgiveness. I receive his salvation and I thank you for saving me. Amen. We are so excited. If you pray that prayer, would you send us an email or if you would send us a WhatsApp? We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to send you a Bible and we'd love to pray with you as you step in to this new life that God has given you. We look forward to you in the problem. Perhaps you're listening or watching today and you have a prayer request or you have a praise report. Send us an email, send us a WhatsApp. We'd love to share it with you.
for we love to pray with you on whatever day we meet. God bless you, we love you, and don't forget to reserve your seat and come and join us in church this coming Sunday. God bless you. Thank you.